I sealed it in some groups. Hello, by the way, Preston. My name is Yellow. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm the I'm the weird thing. You don't look weird. That looks pretty normal to me. <laughs> Are we taking waiters on whether or not Marcus is coming in tonight? Oh, I need I need Marcus, man. Like we have to talk about it. Marcus and RD are probably sleeping right now. It's very current news with the with the Udi and the the other guy's name, right? Dennis. Yeah. Dennis it looks like we're live. Yeah, we're live. This oh, is wow. uh, yeah, this is how we do it. You know, we're not gonna warn you. It's <laughs> gonna happen. I was I was hoping that you'd share uh the potato Greg if you made that already. <laughs> yeah, did you make potato Greg yet? There aren't enough of them. So everyone, welcome. Another test stream of the Meme Factory, where we just see talk and nothing more. Don't expect <laughs> to find uh, wisdom here. Uh, just guys see talking. So we have today Preston. TA. Yeah, and decent TA. Maybe today I'll do some glass note segment. I don't know. Uh, we have Preston Peace. Right? Peace, right? It's Is close a, enough. Yeah. Uh, my my, my Greek accent man, like sorry. Peace. It's ironic, right? <laughs> Very. The Greek the Greek can't say the, the English word. Anyway. Uh what's up? Welcome. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So what what's what's uh Labrahoddle there flying? You don't recognize yeah, I don't that remember that picture? No, yeah, she took that? the picture. I don't hmm. remember. You took that picture for me. <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell people. So I think okay. uh, I think uh, Mike has some questions uh, noted for us. I don't know anybody if anybody has them uh, ready to uh, go. Mike's questions are fantastic. I don't have yeah. them ready to go because they're uh, they're kind of one flavor. But uh, we'll find them. I do have. Uh, I, I want to tell Preston that I'm. I'm really enjoying what he's done with the show. All right, with the uh, the We Study Billionaires. Um, it's gone from just the single flavor Preston to now multiple flavors of Preston, like uh, Trey Lockerbie and uh, and others. And uh, he's definitely taken the the salsa approach of people don't like it. Uh, people like it chunky, and they like it light. So, what do you think? Who is who's Preston Light and who is uh, who's Preston Dark Beer is what I want to know. Preston Light and Preston Dark Beer. Uh I don't I don't even know what you're asking me with that, Greg. What what are you asking? So on your on your show, it's gone yeah. from it, it's been it's been you and just you for a very long time. Well, not just you, but uh, you you've recently added on some new talent. Yeah. And um, I want to know if there was any, any, what was the thought process going into the different flavors of Preston that you've put on to, uh, to in, in addition to Preston Classic? So, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> I was just going to, I was going to cover Bitcoin and um, like we've been doing the show, Stig and I have been doing the show for so many years at this point. Like we're getting smoked. Like I'm just, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm, I'm tired <laughs> like 
it's it's really fun to do. It's really fun to interact with people. But I mean, I think we've been doing it since 2013 or something. I mean, it's been a long time. Every single week, coming up with, I mean, it's creative content. So you like you're having to do all the research. These people that you're interviewing, you got to bring your A game. You can't like just be slacking, right? And it has to be some. It has to be new content. You can't be talking about the same crap. So, um, we're tired. We're we're smoked and. Then I was like, hey, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do purely Bitcoin. I'm not going to cover anything other than Bitcoin because we, and for people, full disclosure, Stig and I both think that we're at this point in time that it is extremely important that people understand all the nuances of, of Bitcoin specifically. And so like, we're like, all right, we have, to have a, we have to have a feed for this. And then we still got to cover all the traditional stuff that we've been covering for all these years because that's what our audience was completely geared for that's what they wanted to hear and so um we knew trey we thought trey was a good fit uh trey comes with a, an awesome network as far as getting uh people onto the show most importantly the thing with trey is that he is a uh he's a business owner like if i think that uh like when i think of traditional finance people working on wall street like they're managing other people's money. They've never run their own business. They've never created real value in the marketplace that requires a competitive like edge, right? And so I think for people to to talk about investing and talk about like which company they're going to buy this and that, like first and foremost, they got to understand business. And so Trey brought that angle where I mean, he stood up this kombucha company I mean, it's a it's a legit large company, at least in my opinion, it's still would be considered a small business, but chill uh, it. Which what's what's his company? It's it's called Better. It's his company's called Better Booch, and so Better I mean, Booch. And where yeah. can you get where can you get Better Booch? Anywhere out in the West Coast, uh, Trader Joe's. Um, they fulfill orders for, um, they they fulfill orders for uh, kombucha for companies that would literally blow your mind if I told them, but I obviously can't tell you the, the companies that they fulfill orders for because they put their own labels on them. Right. Um, so, I mean, he has, he has an amazing business. He comes with that mindset, him and his wife stood up this entire business on their own. And, um, he was, he was always interested in this because he had listened to our show for many years. We met him out in Omaha many years ago and we've just stayed in touch and we, we Stig and I both really liked him and we thought that he had, just a great presence and in, in, in the way that he can present material, right? So he was just a win all around for us uh, to bring onto the program. And then I could just solely focus on, on Bitcoin. And then Stig's, Stig still does shows, but he's much more on the operation side. Like when you think about like how our, our business operates, like it's not me doing the operational day-to-day -day stuff. Stig is crushing all of that stuff. It's not me. So... That's kind of how the the shows kind of evolved from here, and so um, is, is Trey the one that got Howard Marks on recently? Yeah, I'm a big fan of his books. Uh, was it Mastering the Me Market too. Cycle? Yeah, and, uh, I'm a huge fan of Howard yeah. Marks, and like you talk about a guy, and I know a lot of people in Bitcoin are kind of like laugh at value investing, and and that's fine. I mean, I that's I, how I, I got to Bitcoin. I understand both sides of the of the arguments here. Um, but uh, when you think of like heavy hitters in the value investing space, I mean, this guy's this guy's a multi-billionaire. I don't even know the size of his fund, but it's it's huge. And, trade, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And um, I mean, you talk about like one of the biggest names behind like Buffett or Munger in the value investing space. It's probably Howard. Like, I mean, he's huge. And yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's Trey out there bringing Howard Marks on the show. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how can anybody like. I assumed it was one of your interviews when I saw it. I, I pulled it up and it no. wasn't you. I was like, wow, OK, Howard's willing to talk to somebody else. I mean, we had we had interviewed him previously. Right. OK. But, but Trey went out there and for all I can, you know, just trying to like look at it objectively. I don't know that Howard would even remember doing our interview um, because he does so much stuff. But I mean, yeah, Trey went out, got him on the show. He, he came on. I mean, Trey gave an incredible interview. And I mean, he's just he's a winner, right? Like he just goes out there. He understands business. He can talk stuff at a very high level. He can talk accounting and and really kind of piece it all together. And, and for us, that's really important. Um, especially for just kind of the audience we've built with the show. So the, I've got a really hard hitter for you. And uh, <laughs> this is one that it's been bugging me for a couple of days now. So you, you tweeted out, you, you were trying to get Ross Stevens on your pod recently. And yeah. uh, you tweeted out with the picture of you with, with Ross, different Ross. I made the picture. <laughs> I made Ross. the picture as much as you don't believe that I made that picture. Not only do I don't I don't believe it. I think you're full of shit. I don't know. Don't why. believe it. I don't. I don't. No. I want to see you make another one. Uh, but it, it, in okay. the tweet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> tell me. Tell me who you want me to superimpose my face on, and I'll do it. Superimpose your face on. I yeah, want you to. My I face. Want, I don't I want you people... superimpose your face on the fat bastard from uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> why did Why did I say it that way? That's so stupid. <laughs> 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 no take back. Uh, that's a clip. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So on the tweet, you wrote that uh, you, Ross wrote you a, a happy little no. And for the life of me, I don't know what, what the hell a happy little no is. So I'm hoping you could tell me. You didn't what, get the reference. You didn't get the reference. The no, little, there's a reference. Yeah, it's a happy little tree, right? It's a happy little cloud. Like that's how Ross. That's how uh, Bob Ross paints, right? Yeah, There's no mistakes. Paints. That's it why there was. Right over my head. That's why there was 30 minutes. I can have this done in 30 minutes because every painting he did was 30 minutes, right? In fairness, Greg is a potato, so sometimes he misses that kind of thing. Maybe I'll just superimpose his face on a potato then. You should. <laughs> you absolutely should. Oh, I can do that it. That would be awesome. I can do I it. it. I don't think you can, do it. but it would be awesome. I mean, if there's one thing I would say, Jason Williams is terrible at, and it's pretty much the only thing Jason Williams. He's terrible at his, like, he, he cannot superimpose his face on things that make it look real, right? It looks so fake. But it's so fake that it looks awesome. Especially right? when you added the pit vipers. So, like, mine, mine looked real, but I don't even think people could tell that it was my face. They probably thought it was still Bob Ross's face on there. And, but it was my face on there. I worked so hard on it. You could tell you could tell because you had the laser eyes, same laser beams as on your profile picture. Yeah. So there you go. So you can see the same person that made that. that I, I gotta I gotta say I hire the guy. Your, He's really good. <laughs> I gotta say whoever made the your Avi Preston is one of the most badass Avis on yeah. Bitcoin Twitter. Which one? What do you what the you Avi mean? you have on Twitter on Twitter? Your oh, profile God. picture. Oh my profile picture. Okay. Yeah. You like it or not? Because I made yeah, that I too. I personally made that. People don't believe me. Are you, are you, are you, taking, are you taking credit for everything now? You know what else? Why do you think he and I get along? Did? I think Preston made Bitcoin. <laughs> I swear Preston. to you, I made it. Preston is Satoshi. Cool. I, Greg, right? I, I believe I Preston. I believe Preston. I believe Preston. Guys, so we so have Preston. Should we, should we ask like uh, any real world 
uh, news that's going on, like with the China bubble thing, the house Bible thing with Evergrande. 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 Yeah. yeah. Evergrande. Like, uh, how, how do you feel like uh, this centralized plant uh, clusterfuck over there in relationship, of course, with, uh, with our thing, Bitcoin? Yeah, and like, a- uh, do, do you think like uh, it has an effect in the markets and is it, are we going to have like, are we going to see another liquidity run going on like the so so the th- here's the thing that's really hard to predict with any of this is how are the central banks going to respond to it how is the ccp going to respond to it because we're at a point now where everything is so manipulated that like what would normally if you're if you're operating in a real free and open market what would normally play out in the cascading liquidations and things like that then it gets to this 50% sell off and then central bankers are like oh god we better do something or else this thing's going to go to an 80% sell off and then they'll step in and then it right so the the question now is because things are so manipulated are they just going to step in at 5 at a 5% drop in equity markets and then try to stop the the cascading sell-offs like i don't i don't know it's it's really hard to be able anybody who tells you that they think they know like don't listen to them like the only thing that i know for sure is that there's going to be plenty of liquidity that's supplied in the coming year to three years to prevent an event like ever uh grand to to really kind of materialize into anything meaningful like that's i feel very confident about that now, do they catch it after a 5% sell-off, a 20% sell-off, or a 50% sell-off? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I do know this. That company is massive. We're talking about a $300 billion uh, yeah. market cap kind of size company. I've heard that uh, some of their obligations to uh, their suppliers is another $300 billion. Um, I've got to do a little bit more research on it, to be quite honest with you, to kind of really wrap my head around the numbers. And I'm recording something with uh, Jimmy Song in the morning, but I, I just haven't done enough research on it right now to, to get into the nitty gritty of the accounting. Um, but then when you look at the, at the coupons that they're uh, defaulting on, that they're not paying, the interest that they're not paying, um, I want to say that was to the tune of like six or seven billion. So like you're dealing with massive numbers, numbers that will have uh, an impact. And and this is the way that I would describe this to people to just kind of wrap your head around it. If you go and open a tab at a bar and you're like, hey, I'm going to pay you back at the end of the night and my tab's at 50 or 100 bucks. um, In Yellow's case, it might be, you know, $12 by the end of the night. And so that that's a promise. You're going to you're going to pay that back right at the end of the night. But what happens if somebody comes to you before the end of the night and they say, give me everything in your wallet because you owe me for this other thing the other day. Well, now that, that situation, that impairment of your wallet now has an impact to the, the bartender that you're not able to do. Now, that bartender might have bills, bigger bills, if everybody's in the same scenario that, that aren't paying their tab at the end of the night, that now they can't pay their electrical bill, which was due the next morning. And, and it's just flows and flows and flows downhill. And this is all a function of just fractional reserve banking. The whole credit system that our current economy runs on is based on this idea of however many units are in there in the system as a whole. Like if there's 100 fiat units in the system, there might be 300 units in the system in the way that it spends because of these promises that are made up. So like that promise that you're going to pay the bartender back at the end of the night, 
spends like money, right? But it's it's not the actual like cash or the 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 note that you have in hand. So that's the big difference. And I think that's what most people that participate in markets don't understand is that the promise can trade. Like that bartender could go over to one of his friends and say, hey, this guy owes me this. I'm going to trade or I'm going to sell you that promise, right? And uh, But give me uh, 95% of the value right now. And then he runs off and, and tries to spend it. And everybody's chasing those, those tangible notes of cash, the, which I call monetary baseline money. But that probably only makes up a third of like the actual money in the system when people are throwing around the word money. So most of it's promises. And so when it gets impaired, like ever, ever, uh, ever uh, grand, um, those promises are now trickling and now they can't repay all these other people. And it just keeps, keeps spreading. The contagion is the word everybody uses. That contagion spreads. And until some type of central bank comes in and says, here's some monetary baseline money. Here's the notes to make this insanity of the promise cascading down the, the broken promises Here's some notes to stop that from happening. That's how, that's the only way they can make it stop. Is they have that's to get in. That's only coming from printed money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. They have to print it. Yeah. And and I mean that just reminds me of Dalio's. You know how the economic machine works. Totally. Right? Exactly what he kind of talks about. And it's interesting when when he talks about it, he doesn't. I mean, he talks about the central banks, but he also talks about these boom bust cycles for that are eighty years long. And then you have these mini boom bust cycles throughout. And uh, so it seems like the only way now that we can, you know, because so much money has already been printed, we're kind of forced on this road of just continually printing more and more, more and more liquidity, right? To cover up small mistakes. And then those roll into bigger mistakes. And then you get these huge mistakes like Evergrande. And then, you know, the only other option is, to suffer a deflationary collapse. So that's what it looks like, right? Either and print liquidity or suffer that deflationary collapse. You're exactly right. And then what's the consequence that everybody learned from the bailout is they need to get, they need to get deeper into the risk. So like they were making decisions. So like Evergrande is making a decision to be really risky with the way that they're competing with the, the companies that they're going up against. So they're making all these really risky decisions and now all of a sudden they, they outpace that and then these central banks will step in. Now they, they might not save Evergrande. They might save the, the, the other companies, but what is that teaching all the participants in this, in the system globally is take more risk because it doesn't matter, yep. right? There's never a consequence for taking more risk. And we were seeing this when they were buying all the bonds here in the U S back during the COVID you know, event it was like, here they are stepping in and buying all this junk that should be exploding. It should be blowing up balance sheets left and right. And for all the people that were levered in, in taking these actions, they should blow up. And then people who actually have monetary baseline, who have been, who have been making wise decisions and aren't over levered, they can then step into the market, buy all this equity at a fire sale price, literally pennies on the dollar. Right. And then re do what they need to do in order to, have good business practices and recapitalize all those assets and put them back to, to proper use. And if there is no proper use, then they'll kill them, but they got a pennies on the dollar so they can do that kind of, but none of those activities are taking place. They just keep stepping in and saving these people and incentivizing people going further and further out onto the risk curve. So. And you're actually disincentivized to, 
to do sound financial work, right? Because if you don't take those big risks, then you're almost left behind. You are left behind. Yeah. And so when you look at value investing, why is value investing underperformed? You know, well, maybe it's you can't scoop up the deals because they're, because they're being too responsible, maybe. Yeah. Right? And, and that's that's a temporary situation. Eventually, you know, as in, and I think you're unfortunately, I think that you might not have the situation where value investing is going to be like the, the place to be is until you have hyper Bitcoinization. So these people that are implementing these this approach, um, you know, it might not really kind of pan out for them relative to a momentum strategy. Um, until you get into hyper Bitcoinization, because then it, the the responsibility is going to be a forced upon the world that they have to be, they have to act that way, or else they just blow up. The price signal's broken. The price signal's completely broken. Yeah. How can you how can you price anything? It's, it's funny how whenever we talk about the debt, we use words like cascading down, and whenever they talk about profits, they use like what is it like trickling down. Is it like trickle? Trickle? What is the word? Trickle down. Trickle, trickle down. down. Trickle yeah, down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the printing well, trickles and, down, and the uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. loss the losses cascade down. Yep. And it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Howard Marks was talking about that. He was just saying that in uh, the lesson he learned in 2008 was two years before that, 2006. He was uh, he was taking a defensive strategy with uh, with Oak Tree or Oak Front. No, whatever. They're. With his uh, with his fund, and then uh, he was penalized for it, basically. All right. So yeah. when uh, when all the printing happened, he was in a defensive position, and it just you know he screwed him. This what? is for you, Becca. Becca, this is for you, dance bitch. <laughs> now that now that's a real rate of return right there. Yeah, he's printing money. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. How much money you need? It's like like a click for me. <laughs> <laughs> you and everybody. <laughs> it's free. Yeah, central banker. Yeah. So right. uh, another thing that is going on around Twitter. I don't know if you want to talk about it, Preston. It's like the talks of maximalist, like uh, new angle. Like, uh, are we that mean? I think. Uh, we had an incident too, as uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it with Marcus and you and you blocked him. He unblocked you. He was a little bit mean, I guess. Like, is it too much sometimes? Are we sometimes like um, overdoing it with the well, joking no, I, and for, the memeing and the? How do you feel about it? No. So for me, it was just like in in that ad, right? I don't know how else to uh, get it across. Like all I do on that exchange is buy Bitcoin. Like I literally said it in the ad. So when he's there, like putting a clown nose on you or whatever, like I'm like, you know, screw you, dude. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I don't know how else to do this ad other than say all I use the exchange for is buying Bitcoin. If you're saying that I'm, you know, shilling shit coins, like I'm not, I'm sorry. Like the exchange wants me to read this. I use the exchange for Bitcoin, but you know what? Here's the thing. If people, I have kind of a different take on the shitcoin stuff. So I think in a way, all these people that are shitcoining are adding confusion into the narrative. Some people will look at that and say, that's really bad. And it's, it's making it confusing for policymakers and all this stuff. 
I actually don't see it that way. I think that the, the more confusing this is, the better chance Bitcoin has to materialize into, into the uh, you know, global settlement layer. You have to do so much work to wrap your head around everything that's happening, right? Like you got, you got what I would consider smart people out there shilling things that, are, in my opinion, are completely idiotic, right? That I think they actually believe like, oh, well, this one has this tech or whatever. And they totally missed the boat that this is all about decentralization, right? The whole thing is about yeah, decentralization. Like Mark Cuban shills Dogecoin. Bingo, right? right? So the fact that you have Mark Cuban out there, like, am I gonna, if, am I gonna beat him up from time to time and, and poke fun? Yeah, it's fun. We're having we're having a good time, and maybe that's where uh, Marcus, you know, he's having a good time. He pissed me off for you know a day or two, right? It's fine. <laughs> I unblocked him. Like, there's no hard feelings, right? Like, if Mark Cuban blocked me, I'd be like, yeah, I understand. I get it, right? Like. I probably went a little too far there. That's fine. Like, like I know when I'm like, when I'm basically punching somebody in the face online digitally, if they block me, like I, okay. Like I probably deserve that. No big deal. Right. Like there's a million other people that we can follow in, in whatever. You're and then expected. if they, you, you heard it here. If first. Like if you, you don't it expect here. it, if you don't expect it, well then maybe, <laughs> maybe you're just kind of lost. Right. <laughs> You heard it here first, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Marcos is a piece of shit. <laughs> Marcus, if if you're watching, Just my Marcus my deepest sleep. my deepest sympathies. I'm so sorry, Marcus. No, Marcus likes you, Preston. Marcus likes you a lot. He likes you a lot. He does. He listens to like, all. He listens to all your shows. That's like I, I have to. I, I do remember the. Like the, when when like he posted, he tweeted that, and he came to the group chat that it doesn't exist, like with us, and like he was like, "Am I being too mean?" <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was like, posted. "Am I being too mean?" Well, let me let me put it this way: if I didn't if I didn't block him for a day or whatever whatever it was, I'm basically saying, "Yeah, uh, like make fun of me more, right?" Like you gotta you gotta like sh my only way I can fight back and say, "Hey, jerk or asshole or whatever," like. Hey, I didn't like that. Stop it. Right. Like you, and you can't say that or people are going to like quadruple down. Come on. You trust me, you participate in some of the military units that I've been in. And if you can't figure out that like people will feed on certain behaviors, you're kidding yeah. yourself. Right. Like, no, you're so right. There's it, no way it was, that you could have responded to that. And there's <laughs> no way you can respond to it. I'm like, Oh, please stop that. No, like it's, it's not way. a big deal. It wasn't there a big deal. That's one, one way. way. Maybe like a, a Lyota with dildo eyes or something. That's true. You could have put Marcus's yeah. avatar. Yeah. If, if you replied with that to us, you will be like become a god like to us right away. <laughs> if, if I would have recorded the ad and didn't say something like, and all I use this for is Bitcoin. All right, dude, like I got it. Like everything that you're, you're saying and doing is 100% legit, right? Like I get it. You should you should say that to those people, right? You should do those things. But to me, it was just like, all right, dude, like, come on. Like, what do you want from me? Like, I, do you want me to do the show for free? I've been doing this for like 10 years. Like, I'm exhausted. Like, to be quite honest with you, I could stop doing the show tomorrow and I would not lose any sleep over it and not participate on Twitter and just like disappear into the distance. And like, I would be a very happy person. I got plenty of other things in my life that fulfill me. 
I don't need to be on Twitter and, and doing a show anymore. Like, please, please don't do that. Just don't. We also have to welcome RD. <laughs> welcome, RD. How are you, man? <laughs> Good morning, guys. <laughs> RD, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Immediately mutes. <laughs> Did he mute? <laughs> Uh, all right, so, oh, yeah. It's funny because, it. Preston, it's, it, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about, like, when someone's shilling Ethereum, I'm not saying that you were, right, but just in general, when people shill whatever coin they shill, I think a lot of times, like, as clubs, we normally think about the noobs that are coming into the space. You yeah. know, when we're thinking about that confusion that, you, that you're talking about, okay, is a noob going to be comes in and they're just gonna hear like ethereum from preston pish and then they're gonna be like well, what is this or they're gonna hear like xrp or dogecoin from mark cuban and then start dabbling in that and then get wrecked right for when hyper bitcoinization really happens or even on some random rug pull like solano or whatever that's yeah. called and so i think a lot of times we think about the noobs that are coming into the space Cordano. And, yeah <laughs> cordano well you know what i think that, honestly I, and, I think that's a great argument I think I don't have a I don't have a response to that. Like I think that that is a concern, and I think that um, I mean it goes back to like what I'm saying. If I didn't say that the only thing I'm buying on the exchange is Bitcoin, people could misconstrue that and be like, "Well, this guy just talked about an yeah. ad for an exchange and he just listed 20 tokens. Like that's like should I own one of those or does he own one of those?" Yeah, um, but and I, I think I that's think, a concern. Yeah, yeah, and I was just saying I think like. Uh, it's it's funny because a lot of us like in our past when we're learning what bitcoin is like you first come into it thinking and i've tweeted this out before like you're either thinking i don't want to lose all my money or you're thinking i want to make a fortune right like you're thinking one of those two things and you're not thinking about philosophy of money and you're not thinking no. about like credit cycles you're not thinking about any of that stuff bond market like you don't know anything. You're just coming in thinking like, what's this shiny object? I don't want to lose my money or I want to make a fortune on this thing. And so and I think, everything. right. And so, yeah, exactly. And you think, you know, everything. And so, but I've never, but I getting do. rug pulled by these little, you know, these altcoins, I think has actually worked for us in the long run because then it brought us to Bitcoin only. And and then uh, it just makes me think about, maybe, like, does it even matter if noobs get rug pulled? Because what really matters is that Bitcoin has its path to be to hyper Bitcoinization, and and noobs getting rug pulled leads a lot of noobs like us who were noobs to Bitcoin only. I think I, most of the panel here were noobs that got wrecked in seed coins. So, yeah, yeah, I, I. I completely agree with everything you just said, Sean. I think that, um, and I mean, that's why on my show. Thank you, Preston. Only, Thank you. Thank you, Preston. <laughs> the, only per, the only interviews I do are Bitcoin interviews. Yeah. Um, you know, in 10 or 20 years, could there be another protocol that does? Maybe. I don't know. Right. But no. yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that when I look at Bitcoin, and I see that it's actually decentralized and it has a fixed number of units that's never changed since its inception, right? And I see everything that's broke on the macro economy, which is where I got my start is studying all of that stuff. 
I'm saying this is the only thing that I, that I believe somebody who's mi- managing a billion-dollar bond tranche is going to stuff that buying power into. Like, they're not going to stuff a $10 billion bond tranche into Solana or whatever it's called um, that's completely centralized by a couple key people that, have, that sit on most of the tokens. Like, it's just well, not going to happen. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but they restarted it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I think so, the best the best comment about the Solana thing, clusterfuck, was of Hodlonot's tweet that he said, "I didn't know Solana was a second layer to Discord." <laughs> that was great. That was Hodlonot. That was the best. That was <laughs> Yeah, Hodlonot. He's been going ham on some uh, some shit posting about Solana. It's been great. Let us share the screen, sir. I think it's important that for people that are that are uh, searching for like what the what the safe, probable, with a massive return upside choices, and like let's just keep it simple and into the basics, right? And so, I try to do that as best I can. There's so many scammers out there; it is scary how many scammers are out there. And um, hopefully through the memes, I, like you guys have no power. You have no idea. I think you, maybe you do have an idea of how powerful it is what you guys do by just putting, putting something out there, putting a short video clip that has, it's, it's the equivalent of putting like a 10,000 word response to somebody's dumb comment, right? And so when a person sees that and they see the, like all the whole community piling in on it, you, there's no way you can walk away from that and say, maybe I'm missing something. If you're not consciously trying to scam somebody, if you're doing it and you're just misinformed, like the memes will set you straight. Like if, and if they're not, then you're just totally socially inept. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> tell us, tell us more about how, how awesome we are. <laughs> so, I want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've got I've got a good topic for conversation. All right, because this has been this was uh, dividing our entire meme factory earlier today. Are NFTs shit coins? Yes. Yeah, I mean, is there a, is there an NFT that I would own today of anything? The answer is no. Like, well, like, like not no. even a rock. Not even a rock. Not even the JPEG <laughs> of the rock. How about the brick? I think the question for me comes down to this. Why do you need a decentralized ledger to be doing the activities of a non-fungible token? Why does that have to be decentralized? Right? Like, that's the, that's the essence of the question of, of the whole NFT piece. Um, when I think of, like, artwork in general, like, the proof of work... Is, is there proof of work associated with coming up with a digital image? Of course. But is it as easy to understand as an oil painting? I'm sorry. I, I, I can see the proof of work in the oil painting so easily. It's just like, am I going to buy one versus the other? I'm going to buy the oil painting. But that's me. Um, some other people like digital art. But um, why do I need to have some non-fungible token on a decentralized ledger to have authenticity of owning the digital picture. Well, the decentralized, the decentralized part of it might be debatable as well. That's right. 
That's right. And that's assuming <clears throat> that's that's assuming that you're working on a decentralized protocol. I'm just I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt of like that piece, which is extremely questionable. Yeah, everybody and talk. Everybody talk. Yeah. All I'm saying is Greg, Greg likes NFTs. No. He, does, he doesn't know it no. yet. No. Because he watermarks everything. He watermarks everything. Look, there's, there's I'm, also, just, I'm just putting my business card on the comic. There's also there's <laughs> also an issue, even if it's decentralized, like there's also an issue with the IP licensing and all, all that. Some projects do say they cover that, but I don't believe them. Anyway, so, but like if, if I made it a little bit difficult, more difficult the question, right? Like how about really decentralized NFTs issued on, on uh, Bitcoin. Are those valuable? Is there value there? No. Well, I mean, what, you, what you're really getting at is, is especially in the digital artwork realm, you're, you're owning a certificate to have rights to the revenue that it would kick off. Like that's on the digital side. That's why you would own something like that. On the physical art side, you have a certificate of authenticity that's provided through whatever type of service to, to prevent people from making duplicates of it. Right. So when I'm thinking about like the NFT space, like you have the, you have this desire for a certificate so that you can collect income off of that thing. So like, let's, let's fast forward 20 years into the future. Let's say that people are wanting to use pictures on the internet that you own that picture and you want to, anytime that it's displayed on a website, like the wall street journal or wherever you name it, whatever news site is there. And that picture comes up and it's registered as a view, right? It was displayed on some browser. It's automatically associated with some of the revenue that that, that, that web page collected for the, the reading of that article. And then that automatically comes back to the owner of that digital artwork. Are we there technologically, like for those types of things to be in place? Like, no, no. Get not. the hell out of here. You're nowhere close to that. Like nowhere close to any of that being a reality. Could it happen someday, two decades from now? Sure. Maybe. I don't know. What would be the, the mechanism for like, you know, assessing these these revenues or the, the the royalties that would be kicked off of this digital piece of artwork that was displayed. Dude, we are so far to the left of any of that that it's just laughable. It's just laughable to me. So if people, hey, if you get a kick out of going out there and buying a JPEG for <laughs> for 100,000, I, I don't even know what this, uh, I guess some of them are going oh, for, for millions. millions. Yeah. Millions, right? Yeah. Going millions for of, millions, millions of um, petrodollars, and, and somebody else, you know, can just copy paste it into their own thing. Like, hey, congratulations that it makes you feel good. But like, I would suspect that the liquidity for this market, because you have all these individual, like, quote unquote, assets, is going to dry up like people have never seen in their lifetimes as far as the valuations on things like that. I mean, look at the liquidity in, in highly traded stocks and how it can disappear. And you're talking about, you know, a million shares of, of a company that's bringing in millions or billions of dollars. Like the liquidity can disappear for something like that. Now imagine Real one, share, <laughs> one share of a JPEG that does not, that does not, 
it does, not, does not kick off any type of revenue. And, and I guess it's my understanding that a lot of the artists are like selling the NFTs, but they're still retaining the rights as far as the usage rights for some of this stuff. And it, it's not actually transferable with the NFT, which just makes it more asinine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, the whole thing's just completely laughable. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's good chat. Yeah. So, and, and with that, I feel like uh, it's a perfect uh, segment to uh, do. Uh, I'm going to do glass note today analysis. I'm not going to do TA analysis. I'm going to do glass analysis. I feel Preston likes glass. So let's see. I, can't, I cannot wait to see this. I'm sure it's going to be some in-depth analysis. If it's anything last time, it's going to be amazing. Here we go. Here we go. I don't have the money to buy this at least. <laughs> so this is glass node, right? This node. <laughs> yeah. And so we can see the first indication. We can see uh, the number of wallets are going way up all the time, right? And uh, up to the right. Up and to the right. Up and to the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, here it's uh, another indicator that if you add it to the previous indicator, which is also bullish. This uh, red indicator is the one uh, of the un, uh, profo- the profitable wallets, like when they buy and, and ha- when they haven't sold, basically. It's going also up, and it's amazing, right? The Rick Astley's. And uh, my analysis say that uh, basically I think the price of Bitcoin is going to go up. I don't know. Uh, I don't I have all a, the data. That's some solid analysis. That's some solid analysis. Yeah, I don't. I don't have all the data because uh, I don't have the full subscription to Glassnode. It costs <laughs> like uh, a leg and an arm to buy it. <laughs> but uh, what can you tell us about that cross, Yellow? Yeah, the oh, yellow. Yeah, yeah. That cross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do the cross. <laughs> How do I <laughs> make some try? Get some triangles in there. Okay. 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 Wait. So the chart we did that. We did the wallets like here, oh. right? And the one indicator is like, and the other is like, <laughs> and here, if you can see, they're gonna kiss, <laughs> and when they kiss, guess what is gonna happen? Exactly this. We're gonna go up because <laughs> Bitcoin goes up. It's that simple. Just stack and hodl. Oh my lord! <laughs> and this is another segment of my TA. I'm doing. I'm doing this for years now, Preston. And uh, if you want any advice, just DM me. The only <laughs> word that comes to my mind is gifted. Yeah. Yes. Yellow yeah. Very gifted. He is Probably. gifted. How do I close this? All right. <laughs> Preston, I'm, I'm curious. And I gave you some time to ponder this one. Because um, I, I forwarded this question to you earlier. But um, and I think this, this is something that we can all discuss because it's important. Uh, where do you draw the line with uh, apes that you think you can beat up versus uh, apes that you think can beat you up? Monkeys can be included as well. So when you sent me this, I, I was like, there's no way he's going to actually ask that. No, it's, it's happening. But you did. 
Yeah. And then I, I didn't even really understand like what you were getting. Like, is he like implying that apes are something else, or is he like actually thinking like apes? All right, so let, let me clarify. Let me clarify. So, like for example, I can't beat up a chimp or an orangutan. There's no way that's happening, right? How do you they're know just, that? Because they're, they're jacked. You ever seen a picture of like a, a chimp with alopecia? I don't even know. I don't even know my different levels of these things. Right. So, I, I figured at least like I could take a lemur. Is is where I'm, is where I am on this on this uh, statement. I don't know how further up the ape chain I can go because like gorillas out of the question, chimps out of the question, orangutans no way. Uh, but lemur, I could handle a lemur. Is a lemur part of the monkey family? Shut your mouth! I'm waiting for precedence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. The, I don't even know any of the species to like. Comment. I don't, I don't, spider spider monkey. I don't follow monkey. spider monkey. Okay, okay. You, monkey. How many chair force hoddles could you take on? I have no answer. I have no answer. It looks oh, like he, he stumped me. Yeah, he did. I prepped totally, you too. I prepped totally you. And you, you definitely just fell <laughs> face first, face around your sword. Could All you, right, fine. Could you take a Mark Cuban? <laughs> Preston <laughs> versus Mark Cuban. Who wins? There's, in a... there's no way I could deal with his head. His head is too big. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. Figuratively, figuratively or literally? <laughs> I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> all right, so let's pivot. Let's pivot. Okay. All right. I'm gonna need Be you. That. I'm gonna Be need that. you. <laughs> I'm gonna Be need that. you. I'm going to need you to give yellow a call sign. <laughs> if yellow was a pilot. Yellow a call sign. Well, yeah, give him a call sign. You know the rules to the call signs, right? I don't. I don't know the rules. There's rules. You're not allowed to give it to yourself. Right. And you're not allowed to like it. So I don't know what would make yellow upset, but that's where I would start. That's hmm. everything. Artie, what do you think? What do you think would make yellow upset? I think Artie not being Take away his Red Bull. Take away Take yellow. Red Bull. Red Bull. Yeah, that's a good call. Don't you dare. <laughs> Fish and chips pizza. Get away from me. Oh, oh, shut up, Artie. Get away. That really pisses me off. Yeah, I think Artie got it. It would call him uh, Fish and Chips. Fish and oh. Chips. Fish and Chips. He kind of likes that, though. No, call yellow that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, fish and chips. Are these uh, the real Dora, the explorer? <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Artie posted a poll about Bitcoin recently. Uh, the poll was, do you like Bitcoin? <laughs> yes. Love. Do you, do you love, love do you love Bitcoin? <laughs> yes, no, maybe. Right? It was the what were you expecting the results <laughs> to be out of that poll? Engagement hack. My um, favorite part was yellow just took him to task, just started calling Dora the Explorer. Like, oh, look at the map. Do you like Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> Where is the yes button? Can you find it? RD stands for real Dora. Real Dora. 
we have to have some more questions for Preston here. <laughs> All right, I've got I've got real questions. I've got real questions. How do I turn on this helicopter, Preston? <laughs> How do I turn on the helicopter? <laughs> All right, so Preston, one of the things I've been most impressed with you and your show about, because uh, I've been listening to it and watching it for a long time now, is you find very interesting and differing opinions that a lot of the time you're you're open to. So I've I've watched your opinion on things change uh, over the years based on new information. And not, not a lot of people can do that. So my question is, who recently has changed your views on any given subject that you've, you've, uh, you found it surprising? And why is that NFTs? I have a very poor answer. I, I don't have a good answer for you. Um, uh, in, in, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at it from a finance standpoint, right? Um, and I, I'm open to the idea of me just being wrong that I'm, uh, that I'm a hardcore Bitcoin, right? Like I, I don't ever want to like, uh, close the door to there being something else that could add value to, uh, the network. So, um, Where's the, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on uh, these guys that are, that are building these tokens that kind of like plug into Bitcoin. I don't understand it. Like, I'm concerned that they have their own token. So when I look at like what Blockstream's doing and how they don't require a token to, to do some of these things, and I'm, I'm talking about the smart contracts. What's the guy's name? Uh, oh. Adam Back. Is it the DLC? No, 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 no. Samson, no. Samson, Samson Mo. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not talking about the Blockstream guys. I'm talking about uh, some of these other things that are... Pomp talks about it a lot, that that they're doing these things that you can enable smart contract. Well, the RSK, uh, the Rootstock oh, stuff, right? Yeah, the Rootstock stuff. So you got that kind of stuff going on. Like, at, on the oh, surface, oh, like, I'm not convinced that you that you necessarily need that. And I've, I've, talked, to, uh, I've talked to a lot of smart people about it. And I don't feel like I get really the best answer out of like, yeah, that's definitely something you want to ignore. Like they're kind of like, well, yeah, I don't know that you necessarily need uh, another token to be doing those things. Like I think you can, you can do it uh, without having another token. And um, I just don't, I don't know the right answer. Right. And, and I'm not going to pontificate on it because I just don't have the technical chops to be able to go toe to toe with somebody like an Adam back um, or even one of these guys that are like working on rootstock and their specific token. And there's another one that I just cannot think of the name. I'm like total mind stacks blank. stacks. Thank you. Um, and I haven't brought them on the show because I'm trying to understand it myself to, to be able to ask the right questions. And so I've just con continued to avoid the interview with them because I want to make sure that I can, fully understand both sides of an argument before I can step in and conduct the interview. So is that challenging kind of like my thought process? Uh, maybe I, I don't know, but um, I know I'm not going to do the interview until I feel like I can understand it better. And I'm still not there. I, I just don't feel like I can buy into it. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to constantly question uh, just my point of view um, nothing has happened 
and this is, I think this is a key imp important point for why I'm not giving you a really good answer on this. I have a theory. The theory is the same theory that you guys have, that Bitcoin is, is taking over as a settlement layer, that it's going to basically reprice everything on the planet that has these massive uh, capitalization rates, like these capitalization rates, like everything's like 30x plus for their capitalization rates. It's all based on the, the interest rates that are out there because you got the debt market that's completely manipulated to down to nothing. Like all of those things are all part of the same like thesis. My money is, is positioned in a way to, you know, Bitcoin to take advantage of this situation and to increase my buying power. I, it hasn't demonstrated that there's anything faulty with that thesis. Like the returns are confirmed, continue to confirm that this is right. So why would I change the thesis, right? I'm not going to change the thesis if it keeps working. And I, my expectation is it's going to aggressively keep working. Well, you, so, you recently had a conversation with Mike Alfred regarding yeah. that thesis and that uh, he was talking about um, Bitcoin mining stocks like uh, yeah. Mara. And he was expecting a uh, basically like your Bitcoin return plus a multiplier on top of that. Yeah, I mean that was Do a little hard for me that? to. That was yeah. All, yeah. So, so yeah. let me talk about that. So, so uh, I see this a little bit differently than Mike, but I didn't want to. So when I recorded that interview, and I, I think Mike knows that I have a different opinion. When we did our, uh, we did like a spaces thing, and I was I was aggressively, well, not aggressively, but I was pushing back on on that as an investment in my portfolio. He disagreed, right? When I brought him on the show, I, I want it to be more open-ended for people who are listening to it to kind of develop their own opinion without me being combative during the interview so that it just kind of like opens up the idea for other people to, to think about it and to kind of hear his, his case on why he's valuing it. I think my point of view is, is a more extreme point of view on the topic. I don't own miners in my portfolio. The reason I don't own miners in my portfolio is because... When, when you're doing portfolio construction, you're looking for, for positions that are uncorrelated, okay, that, that can provide where you're not compromising the return. So let me give you an example. Let's say you have position A and position B. Position A is going to give you a 30% return. Position B is going to give you a 10% return, and they're both completely correlated, meaning like when one goes up, the other one's going to go up, and when one goes down, the other one's going to go down, Right. Why would I own B in that situation? Because I'm not getting any diversification on the, on the correlation piece that would offset the up and down of the other to remove that volatility out of my portfolio, right? Why would I do that? Well, I can't give you a good answer. Now, if, if, if there was correlation or, or it was decoupled where investment A was giving you a 30% return, but it was completely uncorrelated to investment B that gave you a 10% return, I would tell you, you, sh you should probably have some exposure of investment B in your portfolio if you can't handle the volatility in your portfolio, right? Which comes down to all these other factors. So Intestinal like, fortitude. Well, age, typically, <laughs> typically it's age. Um, you know, at our age, we would call it the other person that, it, that it's a lack of that. But like when I look at like my parents or somebody who's, let's just say somebody 70 years old, like they can't really be dealing especially if they're on a fixed income and they're sucking some of that, those dividends or they're, they're selling off some of that asset in order to subsidize their, their cost of living. Like they can't have all this volatility in their portfolio. 
So especially if they're if their portfolio is running dry and they have to they may might live another 15 years or whatever it might be. Like there's all these other circumstances at play for portfolio construction. And um, so when I look at my own personal experiences, I personally can handle a ridiculous amount of volatility in my portfolio. I can't, right? I'm, I'm in a fortunate position to be able to handle that. Um, I don't see the, the mining stocks being uncorrelated at all to Bitcoin but I see the return as being less because of the capitalization rates that I was talking about earlier. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm just not there now. Mike's argument, which I think is a, is a good argument is if, if you're going to lever that position, if you're going to pull a Michael Saylor and you're going to lever up to buy additional Bitcoin or to put yourself in an advantageous position to, to consume your competitors, um, they might outperform Bitcoin. But then it, for me, it comes back to like, by how much? Are you yeah. outperforming them by 5% with a ton more risk that's associated with that additional 5% because they could, maybe they could over lever themselves and they could default and they could, like you get into all these things that introduce risk for the potential. And I, I say that strongly, the potential to outpace Bitcoin. So- there's also a difference between a Michael Saylor and a marathon in what kind of interest rates they can use to lever up. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I would, but it comes down to the, uh, it comes down to how healthy their free cash flows are and, and how little leverage they have uh, on their balance sheet. And then what type of debt they're structuring. So like Michael is doing um, deals where, He's doing a convertible notes and he's doing like all these kind of fancy things to drop the interest rates um, so that it's very advantageous. Now, can some of these mining companies do that, especially when they got so much CapEx on their balance sheet? I don't know. But for me, there's a whole bunch of work there for something that has probably like one-to-one correlation with additional risk and you might not even have an additional upside. So for me, I'm just, no. I'm Why? Just, um, I'm just going to own Bitcoin. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, but I think it's a, I think it's a cool argument. And, and you know what, we get the question a lot, like how do you value companies if you're using Bitcoin as your unit of account and all this kind of stuff. And so um, I own Bitcoin. It's that simple. So it's a simple, a small, small, quick question from uh, Walton, Walton from uh, Plebnet that is watching. Uh, for Preston, of course. Uh, do you think uh, Ray Dalio is playing 4D chess to accumulate like a motherfucker? I think so. I, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. His comment that if it gets too big that the government will shut it down for me in this interview that just came out two days ago was like such an eye roll. <laughs> it was such an eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> it just, for me, it's like, okay, well, you, you, I don't think you understand the tech here. And I think his reply back would be like, I don't think you understand how this system is rigged. But hey, whatever, we'll find out. System is rigged. I I have a question, Preston. Uh, So, I mean, in 2017, we all know that you ended up selling at the top, timed it perfectly. Pierre Rochard didn't talk to you for a year, (laughs) uh, which is awesome. And... uh, now you've said like uh, you want to, you're not gonna sell uh, in this 
in this cycle or whatever it turns out to be, right? Um, could you explain, you know, what your thought process is this time? Is it purely based on the bond market? Is it based on the QE infinity or what, what's kind of going on through your mind while you're like, you're not going to sell your whole stash this time? You Back in 2017, you didn't have the same situation as you have right now from a macro backdrop standpoint. So like the things that are happening right now, as far as the printing, like in March of 2020, the response to COVID printing wise and like debasement wise was like off the charts crazy. Um, and this is all after that had played out. So like when I was looking at it back then, it just looked like, Hey, this is getting overheated. And to understand like for the price to keep going up, like more and more people, which were all retail had to keep showing up to the table to keep driving that price higher at that point in time, wall street was laughing at it. Like you weren't having any of them coming on board to, to bid the price higher. Um, so I, you know, I was just looking around, I was looking at the size of it. I was looking at really kind of the mayor multiple was like a driving factor in that decision. And then just the pure, like the, the pure massive gain that I had on my hands that I didn't think was sustainable at that moment, but I still had a very bullish long-term outlook. Like when I sold in, in 17, I was, and you could ask the people that were close to me, I had a hundred percent conviction that I was going to be buying it back. It was just a matter of at what price. Um, so like, it wasn't like I was looking at it like, Oh, I, I made a bunch of money there. Now off to the next thing. Like I, I made a bunch of money there. And I was like, and I can't wait to buy it. The, like the entire position back plus some. Can't wait to double my stack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, no. luckily, then I'll, 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 well, I'll say this. I think, I think if I had to objectively look at what I did, I think there was so much more luck involved in, in what I did than skill. And so I say that because I, I want people to um, just <laughs> have a lot of respect for what it is they're dealing with here. Um, because if you get it wrong, it's going to be, it's going to be a monumental mistake. And I think that I had the potential to get it very wrong back then when I did that. So what's, so what's different yeah. this time? So this time, okay. yeah. yeah. So this time the, like I was saying, you got, uh, you've got the, the central banks acting in a manner that is completely different than what you saw in 2017. I think you have like supply chain disruptions. You have interest rates that have been compressed literally down to nothing everywhere um, with housing prices that are doubling and people are just like, I mean, it's just pure insanity. And you're looking at the, that the S and P like, did you, I mean, the recovery on like the S and P and the NASDAQ after the December or the March 2020 event. I mean, dude, it's up a hundred percent in a year. Nothing happened. It's insane. It's insane. So like if that starts to, if that starts to come back down, right, they're going to have to step in. And if they're going to try to stop that thing with as much force and energy that's been pumped into it, if they're going to try to reverse that back up again, do you know how much printing they're going to have to do to, to do that? It'd be like the, the, the best way I can ex explain it to you. If you've ever pushed your kid on a swing, right? So when you're like pushing them like at the beginning and there's not really a lot of like momentum coming back to you, like it's easy to like stop them in their tracks or, and like give them a push back in the direction, like th that they're not going to come through you. But like when they're full tilt, like swinging, like what we've got going on right now, like a ton of energy has been pushed into that. 
That's what we've seen in the economy is like a ton of energy printing debasement has been pushed into this thing. It's going to try to come back at some point through impairment of all the credit. Okay. And when it starts coming back, these central bankers to stop that thing in its tracks, do you know how much energy that's going to require? Unprecedented. Like people just can't even imagine how much, how much debasement is going to have to happen to try to stop this thing in its tracks when it eventually tries to, to throw a fit. It's interesting. It's interesting because once we got out of that, like the 2020 March, 2020 event, and we kind of like the, you know, the S and P 500 got back to normal levels or whatever. I remember everyone was saying, Oh, the economy is doing great. And you're looking at all these people without jobs. You're looking at, you know, everything that's going on. And I was like, the economy is not great. The markets are showing that they're fine, but the economy underneath it, the actual foundation. Disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. So that's kind of where I was sitting too, is the, the, the debasement that's going to come and going to continue to come. I think it's going to be something that we've never seen before. I mean, when you're looking at the indexes, it's just like the CPI gauge. Like you're looking at the Dow. What, how many companies is that? Like yeah. all of these activities, all these activities force consolidation of enterprise into like these, these giant holding companies. Right. And so like, if you're tracking the growth of the, the hundred holding companies at the top, like they keep getting bigger. Sure. Like that's what you would expect to happen. Right. But you're not tracking all the, the, the countless small businesses underneath of all of this. You're not tracking any of that in the, in the stock market index, right? You know, you know, you'll, you'll never see it if that's the metrics you're looking at, just like in CPI. <clears throat> yeah. I want to be respectful of your time here because uh, we're coming close Ted. to the, we're at the hour. Uh, but I do have a follow-up question on, yeah. on that. If you, if you're good with it, it's, um, you know, you said, yeah. You said in uh, in multiple podcasts that you were basically scouring uh, newspapers from Weimar Germany, trying to find similarities between uh, their pre uh, hyperinflation and where we are today. And I just want to get an update on that. What have uh, what have you found out? What are you seeing in the news that's one way or the other? Not too much from what I was talking about. I think I started talking about that probably nine months ago or a year ago, I was kind of highlighting like, Hey, this is what it looked like in like 19, uh, what was it? 1922 Germany, 1923 Germany. These, these were the articles that were coming out in the newspaper. And the, the common thread that you saw was companies are now starting to, um, use other currencies, foreign currencies as their unit of account to retain earnings with, within their balance sheet. And, um, where I think that you're not going to see necessarily that headline of using a, a foreign currency or a foreign fiat currency is because they're all doing it simultaneously. You didn't have that happening in 1920s Germany. So that's why that was playing out is because the dollar wasn't getting debased at a breakneck pace to make good on the, the World War I war reparations. And that's what was happening in Germany. So um, what I think how, how I think that's completely representative of today is Bitcoin is going to be that thing that the articles are only going to increase. And so when Michael Saylor came out and he's like, I'm putting this on my balance sheet, it, it was 
after some of those conversations that I had with Stefan and others saying that these are the things that we should expect in a super cycle is like those, those stories should continue to progress. Now it was hot and heavy at the beginning of this calendar year. And now that we're uh, kind of near the end, you really haven't heard too many more companies putting it on their balance sheet. So is, are things cooling off? Yeah. I, well, I, I think for that narrative, they've, they're stagnant. Do I think private companies are doing it? Of course. Um, and they're not going to report it. So you won't know. You won't know. And I think that private companies, especially a lot of private companies that have uh, founders that are still in charge of the company that are making bold decisions because they own all the equity, they're doing things like this. The larger companies that are these like blobs, that, that meme that you have, Greg, of like the, the, the dude who's like, it's they're scared it's scared <laughs> the blob the monster blob it. of of whatever right um that's what a lot of these like mega uh companies really are they've got politicians sitting at the top of their of their companies nobody has a controlling share of the voting rights and so the decisions in the incentive structure that's in place for a lot of these companies is don't make a risky decision on the board or you'll lose your seat that pays you $250,000 a year to show up for four meetings. Um, so don't do anything out of the ordinary. And the CEO, he's, he's the politician of all politicians that have worked their way up through that company. And they're just trying to keep their job so they, they can make a million plus per year. Um, so they don't want to do anything that's super bold, especially when nobody else is doing this, but like crazy people like Michael Saylor, right? That, that's how a lot of them would view him. Um, because they don't fundamentally understand what's happening from a macro standpoint. So when we get further into this cycle, especially if we start to see chaos in the streets, especially because, you know, the basement is causing the, this impairment and you're seeing the ever grands and those type of entities blowing up. And if you still see headlines, like this company is starting to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet, they're doing it with 5% of their holdings that are typically marketable securities. Like if you start hearing that kind of stuff, it's happening like that correlate or that that situation of the 1920s Germany is playing out literally on a global scale. But instead of putting foreign currencies on there, they're putting Bitcoin on it in place of it because it's a stable unit of account. Nice. Hey, tango. Hey, tango. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, right. I think you're, you're going to see the you're going to see smaller companies do it first, just like seeing El Salvador. One of the Bingo. smallest countries in the world, right? Totally agree. That's you, like you're not going to see these big institutions do it. Free Preston. I mean, even my, you know, MicroStrategy is small compared to like an Apple or whatever. Totally. But the people who feel the hurt the most are going to be the ones who are going to be the ones who. Free Preston. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> all right preston i want to say thank you for uh for being generous enough with your time to come on and uh and shoot the shit with us we really appreciate it uh, Dude, the only reason I, I want to do this is because you guys contribute so much more to the space than i think uh, most would would understand i think that what you guys are out there doing it might be a little ruthless at times but at the same time like this is this is a crazy time that we're going through right now there is so much misinformation about what reality is, in my humble opinion. 
And you guys are out there just dropping these truth bombs in a way that is, it's just a different form of communication that I think is so important. And, um, and I don't see you guys doing that to people who, um, don't deserve it, right? Like you're not out there like roughing somebody up that doesn't deserve it. Like some of these people are, are maliciously sharing information. Some of them are just banging their head against the wall with misinformation and refusing to do any semblance of work to understand what's going on. And you guys are right there to, to kind of put them in their place. And, uh, you know, some, some people learn through pain. Some people learn through other people's experiences. And I think a lot of the people that you guys are roughing up are choosing to, to learn through pain. And so you're just supplying it and I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you for adding oh. some legitimacy to a completely illegitimate show. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> completely illegitimate. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> there are no parents here. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks Preston. guys. It was a blast. All right. Do you have anything that uh, you want to tell people uh, where to find you? Because I'm sure none of our audience knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do a podcast. It's on the feed. We study billionaires. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Preston. Thank you, Preston. Good night, guys. Cheers, Shout man. out to everybody that watched. Cheers. 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 Thanks a lot. <laughs>